0: can i tell you my recovered story yes okay. please <laughs> okay so i think i was waiting for a long time because i kind of had this belief that i'm not allowed to declare myself a treatment team has to declare me like you're recovered mm-hmm. you're perfect that doesn't happen though. no it never happens like you're now you're discharged people do get discharged from treatment but it's never like and here's your certificate like, right here you know but i was waiting and waiting and waiting and then I was taking a class and at this building and there's a there's a uh, like a snack it's called a snack closet but it's a room and it just has lots of snacks and <laughs> like candy, chips, whatever. And I went to the snack closet and I got a chocolate bar and I was coming back and I was in the lobby of this building eating it and there were some other people who had no histories of eating disorders and Someone says to me like, oh my gosh, I can't go to the snack bar today. I went twice yesterday. At the Sam, who's the person who worked there. Sam's going to so judge me. I went twice. And like all these people are like, I know it's so embarrassing when I go twice to the snack closet. And these people aren't even, ha- no, they don't have eating they disorders. They don't even have eating disorders. Yeah. And I was like, what? This has never occurred no. to me to be embarrassed that, about snacking. And then I was like, F this. If these people don't have to say they have an eating disorder, then I get to say I'm <laughs> recovered. What's up,
1: guys? This This is Shelby, and welcome welcome to to Not Your Regular regular Coach Podcast. (laughs) Hello and welcome. Today, I have an amazing guest who is one of my favorite people that I've ever worked with, uh, Laura Machado, and she is a clinical psychologist. Hi, Laura. Hi. Hi and i really wanted to interview you mainly because like i said so we've worked together on some uh some cases and i really like the way that you think and the way that you do things i feel like if i were to be a therapist or like a psychologist i would be kind of like you which is really interesting um because i always say like i can't picture myself being one because i feel like i would get in trouble so um mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I love like your philosophy and how it's a little bit different. So if you real quick, again, you don't have to kind of go into your life story, but if you want to go into just like introducing yourself a little bit and kind of how you got to where you are um, today, uh, that would be amazing.
0: Sure. Okay. Um, Well, I have to say that I've also always thought that we basically are the same, even though Technically, we have different roles. I I feel like I would work the same as you as a coach, which maybe means I should work different or you should work different. But I, <laughs> I know am, I no I love I, your work too. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um okay, so let's see how I got to where I am today. So I'm a licensed clinical psychologist that went into graduate school with the goal of wanting to help treat individuals with eating disorders, but also influence the larger field. And so I think some people go into graduate school, you know, that they enjoy psychology, they find it interesting, and then they'll decide if they have a specialization later. Um, But I actually went in kind of with the specialization already in mind. And that came from my own recovery. I had a brief career as an educator, as a teacher, before changing careers. Oh, but, I didn't know that. You were a yes. teacher? <laughs> yes. After I recovery? Um, well, I was working on recovering while while I I was not yet recovered, but I had, yes, I was working on recovering while I was also a teacher. Um, summer of fourth grade, third grade, sixth grade, a period of eighth grade. It was a hot mess. Uh, it was very hard. And no, I mean, I honestly bowed down to teachers. I'm like, oh my gosh, that was the hardest job I've ever had. You think but it's I, harder than working with eating disorders? I do, but it's, oh. because it's, it's because I'm bad at classroom management or in order to be effective at classroom management, I had to be some person that wasn't me. And I, I think, you know, the the numbers are smaller, you know, having a whole room of 30 something kids and like getting them to do things is uh, is just not my strong suit. Yeah.
1: And I think uh, anybody
0: like that's kind of how I am, too, which is
1: it, it's good in some ways. But in some ways, it's like, all right, girl, you got to get a little more strict here
0: because, I know, you know, exactly. strictness is not. You know, what's funny is I have an easier time being strict with eating disorders than with like anything else in my life. And I think it's because I think it's because I just have such conviction that it's um, usually needed. But anyway, during that time that I was teaching, because of going through my own recovery process, I, I was really young. I was like 22 when I started, 23. And I like, just got out of college and third graders were just opening bags of Cheetos, eating them in my class. It didn't even occur to me that you're not supposed to let them do that. I was like, I don't know. I, I, that's there. They're hungry. They're eating. Like, oh, right. I need to have some order in this classroom. But going through my well, even though I was teaching, a lot of my mental effort was going towards my own recovery. But then also while I was recovering, and I was really kind of as a hobby, studying eating disorders in a way and even reading journal articles and things like that. And then I ultimately ended up going to treatment, going to a higher level of care. I went to PHP and IOP and residential. And um, while I was there, it helped me tremendously, actually. But I also enjoyed helping other people while I was there, like the other mm. clients and stuff. And I I thought I was kind of good at it, but also interested in it and also interested in the nerdy part of it, kind of interested in like talking shop. And so fast forward um, some years out of that experience, I ended up going back to graduate school. This was definitely before eating disorder coaches existed. And maybe mm. if there were reliable programs or certifications like you went through, Back then, I would have even gone that route, but I um, I just knew I wanted to go into eating. So I had thoughts about how to help people with eating disorders, but I also had thoughts about where the field could improve, and so I went into graduate school for that reason. Um, FYI, it's like every person who goes to graduate school for any kind of, you know, whether it's master's or uh, social work or psychology or doctorate or whatever, I think they barely learn about eating disorders. I mean, my experience was that we had one day that covered eating disorders and the stuff we learned about was just so wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And I graduated
1: college 10 years ago and I in college was sick and I majored in nutrition because, you know, that's like, of course you did. Yeah, (laughs) of course I did. And (laughs) so I remember also we learned about eating disorders for like, a second i don't think we were ever tested on it or anything and it was just like anorexia bulimia and then it was like insane i'm like did you guys get this out of the textbook from
0: 1975 because like this doesn't make any sense yeah it's crazy it's really great i even can't i i will never forget this one quote i i won't throw my professor under the boat i won't i heard i won't say her name but the boat. yeah i um i remember this quote she said Anorexia is about the anorexic wanting to metaphorically kill her mother. And I was like, what are you talking about? What? (laughs) Yeah, I don't even know what it means, first of all. And as if that was supposed to be a useful piece of information, it's just it was it was bad. Maybe my fourth year in grad school or something, I I did approach a professor who allowed me to co-design with her an elective on eating disorders. So we did. I then kind of took, but also sort of designed this elective on eating disorders that some people could take. And it was up to date on, you know, what the actual field was saying and what the actual research was saying. But that was an elective. So only only some people got to take it. Um, but Yeah. That's and- crazy
1: because – well, first of all, there's there are a lot more people that have eating disorders than most people expect or think about. Yeah. And the fact that like <laughs> the people treating them – so I guess my, my question is then how do you quote-unquote specialize in eating disorders? Like do you just do that – on your own or like, cause so, as far as I know, there's no like necessarily
0: schooling on like just eating disorders, right? No. And this is no, there, there's not, this is kind of scary is that anyone can write on their website or business card or whatever that they specialize in eating disorders. And, you know, anyone can say that. And there's no way to actually know what that means. I think no one leaves graduate school with the ability to specialize in eating disorders because of graduate school. Like my experience is that people know what they know about eating disorders because they have sought out information on their own, whether that's trainings, um, work experience, like work experience in treatment centers, um, or just keeping up on reading, like reading reading the research or reading books that are coming out. But a lot of it has to be self-driven. I mean, okay, so I should say that there is technically... Um, You can be a certified eating disorder specialist as a therapist or a certified eating disorder registered dietitian. And that is through IADEP, I think, the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals. And I never did that, actually, because it came out after I was already practicing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, after I was already practicing under supervision towards the end of my graduate school year's And I remember thinking like, oh, yeah, of course, I'll go get that to make me even more official. But then I looked into getting it. And not only did it require just time and money, I I don't know, I was like, I didn't need this. I was already continuing to learn and continued to have people to try to help people with eating disorders were coming to me and I was still learning. So it just kind of became something I, um, I didn't need. And I think they do now recognize that there are some people that don't have the certification who maybe would qualify for it. and you can i think get a couple people to write you a letter of recommendation and send it in and something like that but and i i just haven't taken the time to do that
1: well so here's the thing is for me i mean obviously i didn't even really i didn't go to school on this so it's like i think that the most important thing is lived experience and then also practicing So for like, for example, in the beginning of when I first started, I didn't, there was a lot of things about eating disorders I didn't even know. And I had an eating disorder for like a long time, but it's just, there's so many little things that you find in like different people do this and different people do that and think this way or think that way. And so once you start to catch on to that, it's like, and learn that and learn how to best approach that, I think. I mean, I think to me, I feel like that's more valuable than
0: so true. Yeah, I forgot to say that in the, you know, with the the self-learning that people do through trainings, I don't know the numbers, but there is a huge percentage of people working with eating disorders that do have lived experience. That's thankfully not as taboo to say anymore. But even Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, I feel like that was sort of hush, hush, Um, like don't admit to that or something. Would Uh, you say it? Have you always said it? No, I haven't always said it. I've always said it to my clients. I've never not said it to my clients. Okay. But I've always then kind of like crossed my fingers and hoped that it didn't like spread. Now I'm not like that. Now it's on my website. And um, I don't know. Now it's like, I'll say it to other professionals and stuff Mm -hmm. too, when it comes up, but I've always said it to my clients. Well, and I was really lucky that one of my first places that I worked with eating disorders was a treatment center where Mm -hmm. lived experience was valued. And many people who were hired had lived experience so that it was kind of like we were allowed to be out in that setting. Yeah. But if you went to a conference, it was different. Um, Interesting.
1: I know. Why is that? Because like my thing is, I don't know. I don't think I would have ever been like, you know what? I have never had any experience with an eating disorder, but this sounds good for me. Like I would have just never done that. It's, it's really hard. So it's like, why can't we talk about it? Is
0: it because I people know. will assume that you're still sick? I think that the knowledge that people have from their own lived experience and their own lived full recoveries or lived partial recoveries, whatever, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. kind of not to make it hierarchical, but whatever level of recovery people are experiencing, people have an inner knowing and they have inner belief systems. But because people couldn't speak out loud, the field message for a a while, I think was that eating disorders are just this chronic forever relapsing condition. It's like this, or it was this sort of idea that you don't
1: ever recover from an eating disorder, kind of like how they say with alcoholics, like you're always an alcoholic. So then if you were to say, hi, I'm a therapist and I had an eating disorder, basically what you're saying is I still have one because you don't get rid of it.
0: Yeah, I think that that's true. And I think thankfully that is changing. Um, And now, not that long ago, it really was a minority, a very small minority of voices. It was so like avant-garde and um, a trailblazy to be saying, I believe in full recovery from an eating disorder. So if you are saying I'm a therapist or a clinician of some kind, and I had an eating disorder, but I don't anymore, I'm fully recovered and I believe in full recovery, it seems almost less believable if you're also disclosing that status about yourself because you have stake in the game. But if you can say, hey, I am this clinician and I study eating disorders and I've helped many clients with eating disorders and I'm intellectualizing this, you know, basically I've informally researched my patient population and I've gone to all these conferences and I believe that full recovery is possible based off what I've studied. You just, I think it's... It's less scary. It feels more believable. So I think that's one reason why not very many people at all easily publicly disclose that they were fully recovered. At least that's one reason. Right. And I uh, like,
1: I don't know. And so then you bring in coaching and it's like most of all of the coaches, when you bring in coaching, most of all of the coaches have recovered. So, I mean, I've definitely felt like I have to prove that, I think. Um, and a lot of that comes up with food, (laughs) like eating. Um, so obviously as a coach, you do a lot of eating with clients. And I think I feel sometimes, not always, but sometimes I feel pressure to like, really overdo it so if they're like okay i'm getting a scoop of ice cream i'm like i'm getting seven (laughs) like (laughs) like it's so true because i'm cured like and so that that also though like i've recently learned so especially if you're doing a live-in where you're literally eating six times a day with somebody and when i'm not in a space where i'm recovering my body it's hard to like be able to do that like because I did that before and it's like we're in a different place but then at the same time like knowing when I had an eating disorder I think it would have been hard to see somebody else who was like eating with me not eating the exact same things so it's like this whole thing of like what's the balance and yeah. I think I've recently gotten like better at that. Cause like I said, in the beginning, it was like total performance. Like I, and not in the sense of like, I don't want to eat, but in the sense of like, I said, if it would be like the extreme, like, it'd be like, I'm going to get seven entrees
0: yeah, <laughs> because I want you to know that I eat like, <laughs> yes, there's like this balance between on some level it is our, okay. I remember when I worked at this treatment center and this clinician who was newer, and I was sort of in a mentor role or a leader role to her, and she was like, but I'm not really hungry, and I'm going to go out to dinner later, so do I have to eat my dinner at the table with the clients? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, but I'm full. I'm like, then you're just going to be more full, because it is your... <laughs> your it stuffing. Is, it is your responsibility. And at the same time, a true lived recovery is being honestly authentically true to yourself so it is like this balance between it's part of our job description sometimes to eat with people and not that we wouldn't ever eat any of these things on our own but sometimes it's like well in that moment I'm not craving it but yeah mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it right now and it's not gonna be a whole thing um but you know back to the even with other the performance eating totally uh, or not performance eating but feeling the pressure to prove that you're Recovered and that you can eat totally comes up with clients. But I think another thing, mm. you know, earlier I said, you know, you might be out that you're a recovered clinician amongst your small team of people you work with, but not necessarily at a conference. I've experienced at conferences before. If I'm like, you know, there's a buffet lunches or something like that, or the everyone's meeting at the hotel lobby for the breakfast before the and I just have this awareness that I don't normally have in day-to-day life where I'm like, I wonder what they think about what I'm eating for mm-hmm. breakfast or something like that. And is it is it, does it mean anything that I, you know, I don't know, took the fruit or they think, I, I, I don't know, just like there's all these things mm-hmm. that might just be in my head, but I know it's not just in my head because I at this point now, I've talked to other clinicians about this and it's like, why as a field are we even tracking each other. <laughs> like, yeah, like, no. Yeah. So it, yeah, agreed. So when,
1: it, when I'm like one-on-one having a meal session or a snack with a client and it's one session, it's like, yeah, of course I'll do whatever. Like right. let's get the ice cream sundae and I'll pile it up. It's, it's more for me when it's multiple times in a day, but then when you bring in, cause I've also been to like a retreat or things like that mm-hmm. where there's other coaches and therapists there. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not, Again, this isn't me saying, like, wow, I really want to eat, quote unquote, healthy. Like, I don't want to eat that or this. It's it's like, no, I will eat the pizza that's there. Mm-hmm. But, like, am I allowed to get a little bit of the salad? Like, yeah. should I not? I don't
0: like Right. Which it, isn't realistic. Right. No, it's not realistic. It's not even what we're aiming for other people. But it's like, what is this culture that the system of the field has somehow created where we're always... Afraid that people might think we're not recovered enough, we're not perfectly recovered. And it's like, I don't think that exists in other fields. I don't think you would go to, I don't know, like a depression conference and be like, I'm the happiest. No, I'm the happiest. <laughs> like, you know? And I, there is something, and I do think it's, I actually... Think it's because there's a lot of people with lived experience in this field and all the traits that go along with eating disorders like they still go along with recovery too like the pe- the perfectionism and the attention to detail and the just ability to attend to a goal all those sorts of things it's like they still exist in recovered people as well and so then it's you bring these people all together and it somehow in this sort of like unconscious system dynamic there's this hard to describe feeling in the air of kind of competitiveness or insecurity or, um, and none of that needs to be there. And I think the people who have been in the field for longer, I think the longer you're in the field, because certainly I've, I don't know if I'm like considered a veteran, but it's been over 10 years. And at this point I'm more comfortable and I'm like, well, maybe someone will think something about the fact that I, they saw me eat an apple. I don't know. (laughs) And like, if they do, oh, well, but then Earlier in the field there is this weird feeling of why are we tracking each other why can't why can't we everyone just relax.
1: <laughs> yeah and so I'm going to flip this as like being the clients or being in treatment because obviously everyone listening is like, I don't care about you guys. right? Um, <laughs> but I no, But so same though. Same thing. Right. So I so as a coach, obviously, I've taken groups out. So I've taken girls mm-hmm. that know each other and girls that don't know each other. I then it's like this whole thing. I notice the tension. So most obviously the people that I take out are all like within the same part of recovery. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't take somebody right out of res and then someone who's like been out of IOP for three months. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like kind of all in the same spot, but you can tell that they're so stressed out because they're like scared mm-hmm. because it's like, okay, I'm already scared to challenge this meal or whatever it may be. And now I don't want to trigger this other person. Mm-hmm. I am triggered by this other person. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, and I mean, in recovery, it makes sense. But the more that I think about this, like I love... I don't know the more that i think about that and i've totally switched topics now is like it's really hard to have a group together of people trying to figure it out especially actively in the eating disorder and so then if you think about that as like people who have recovered and especially when people know that you've recovered it's like that pressure doesn't really go away so it's like then you get to a place where you're like well am i ever a normal eater like do mm-hmm. i think about this for the rest of my life every single time when i'm around somebody it's like this whole thing that's complicated but i feel like it doesn't need to be that complicated
0: yeah it, it doesn't when you think about the groups of clients there's so many times i've had conversations where one client's like but her meal plan like she doesn't have to have this extra thing and she was able to like you know why am i quote unquote like getting in trouble for ordering uh I don't know, a burrito. I don't know. No one's in trouble for an a burrito. Maybe you did something <laughs> weird with the burrito. Maybe you like got it wrapped in lettuce. I don't know what you did. But like, why am I in trouble? Like, that girl did. It's like, oh my gosh, stop. None of it matters. Everyone is doing their own thing. And something that is an eating disorder behavior for one person might not be an eating disorder behavior for another person. Because some eating disorder behaviors are blatantly obvious eating disorder behaviors. You know, they're, they're just, there are certain behaviors that are blatantly never normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. But... There are other things where it really depends on your mindset. And at some point, you have to trust the person to to declare their own mindset. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think I just switched topics again. But. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, like, so many spin-offs of this. Because then it's, like, I was just talking to someone about this earlier, literally in a session. And she was, like, how do I know when I'm recovered? And I was, like, uh, I think. That's a good question. I was like, I think for me, like what I would say the main sign or whatever is, is that sometimes I'm too honest with people. Like I'll be like, yeah, I had a really bad body image day yesterday, like, or today I am. And so, because it kind of normalizes it, like that's just true. But even in like the worst of those times, I would never ever be like, you know what? I think I'm going to go back because that sounds like what I should do. I would literally, I don't think there's anything that could happen to me that would make me be like yeah, I'm going back. Like, and I can't even picture it. I'm at the point now where I'm like, wait, what? What? Like, how did I, what? Like, people do that?
0: (laughs) Actually, I okay, that, well, that makes me think of two things. I want to tell you the story of when I was like, F this, I'm calling myself recovered. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, I'll tell you that story. But I also wanted to say that sometimes I do feel like the more, the longer I've been recovered, maybe the worst of a clinician I am. This is great marketing. Um, (laughs) Because people will say things like, I hate my body. And I'm like, what? What? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm sorry. You live in your body. I'm sorry. What? Like, I'm just like how, whereas it used to be so much closer. Like, I remember exactly how to think that way and why you would think that way. And now, same. Some days, I feel like my body doesn't feel quite, Like, I don't feel quite as home in my body. It feels a little, like there's a layer on it that's not mine. Sometimes I have those days or hours or whatever, but it would never occur to me to do something disrespectful to myself about that. Mm -hmm. Or it would never occur to me to um, not follow a craving or a hunger. It's like, it it would never occur to me to harm myself because of that or not respect my own appetite Mm -hmm. because of that. Um, But can I tell you my recovery story? Yes. (laughs) Please. Okay. So I think I was waiting for a long time because I kind of had this belief that I'm not allowed to declare myself. A treatment team has to declare me. Like, you're recovered. Mm -hmm. You're perfect. That doesn't happen, though. No, it never happens. Like, you're now you're discharged. People do get discharged from treatment, but it's never like, and here's your certificate. Right. You know, but I was waiting and waiting and waiting. And then I was taking a class and at this building, and there's a, there's a, uh, like a snack. called a snack closet but it's a room and it just has lots of snacks and (laughs) like candy chips whatever and i went to the snack closet and i got a chocolate bar and i was coming back and i was in the lobby of this building eating it and there were some other people who had no histories of eating disorders and someone says to me like, oh my gosh, I can't go to the snack bar today. I went twice yesterday. At the Sam, who's the person who worked there. Sam's gonna so judge me, I went twice. And like all these people are like, I know, it's so embarrassing when I go twice to the snack closet. And these people aren't even, ha- they no, don't have eating They disorders. don't even have eating disorders. Yeah. And I was like, what? This has never occurred no. to me to be embarrassed that, about snacking. And then I was like, F this. If these people don't have to say they have an eating disorder, then I get to say I'm <laughs> recovered. And yeah. I just kind of decided to like, finally own it and i think my recovery really blossomed when i was like you know what i know my truth yeah I, I, i'm not waiting for anyone to yeah. unite me with this anymore
1: yeah and i think sometimes that like the pressure that we put on ourselves to call ourselves recovered or not or be like am i a fake like am yeah. i you know that is like a whole thing too and then actually on the other side of recovery my eating is more normal than like my friends that never had an eating 100 like, like they're like 100%. oh my god keto like i'm going to do this i'm going to do that and like no they don't have an eating disorder but but their relationship with food isn't Yes. Good. No. And I would say, like, I really and this isn't me being like, wow, I'm so amazing, because obviously I still have like my thoughts and stuff, but I I don't even have to think about it anymore of like, okay, well I ate vegetables today, so now I should eat pizza, and like, okay, well I ate pizza today, so now I should eat vegetables tomorrow. Like right. that it, doesn't even occur to no, me. No,
0: same. I I do think actually, I truly I actually say this all the time, but I do think that when you recover from an eating disorder, You end up with a better relationship with food and body, which might mean that you have bad image days, but you never have body disrespect, like, Mm -hmm. and you never hate yourself because you hate your body. And and hate would never be the word you Mm -hmm. use. Anyway, I do think you end up with better um, relationship to food and body than the vast majority of people who never necessarily had a diagnosis as a result. Of like, you know, they never maybe they never had an eating disorder, but they certainly don't have an an ease with mm-hmm. um with eating. Actually, this is like this is like okay, I I definitely share too much sometimes too. Here's one of these things where maybe I should not share this, but whatever. Uh, That's literally <laughs> my whole job. So same same. <laughs> um, um and uh, yeah, quick. If anyone is watching the TV show Shrinking, I've only seen one episode. So if this makes me look terrible, if you've seen more episodes, I take that. It back. That's worse. I take it back. But I feel like the, the therapist. That's like a little more unique. I would say. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's me. Um. Okay. Anyway, what I was gonna say was, I had a friend who was like, I'm gonna do Whole 30, and. At this, but the, I had a certain point in recovery, which was like many, many years, where I'm like, I hate diets. In fact, when <laughs> I stand in a checkout line, I'm gonna—I literally used to do this. I'm turning around all the magazines, so no oh. one even—I was like really hardcore, like no one is going to be exposed to this crap. Which is
1: really interesting because weren't you like a really hard client? Like yes. you weren't like, wow, I really want recovery. This no, is so great. I was a
0: hard client. <laughs> it, it took a while for it and and I was like, <laughs> I turned it around, and I was like, I hate diets. Oh my gosh, if you're doing Whole Thirty, I. judge you you basically have an undiagnosed eating disorder like I was really um like that and then as I got far enough in recovery I was like you know what some people are doing Whole30 and they don't have an eating disorder and then I even got far enough where I actually said this just don't judge me until I finish the story I was like that could be fun like I didn't I didn't even think that I would fall into an eating disorder I didn't think that I would like it but it was more like I like random little goals. Okay, I'll do it with you. Okay, I didn't even know what Whole30 was when I said this. And then I was like, sure, I'll do it. And then I Google and I was I was reading what it entails. Like
1: all the rules. Yeah, and
0: I was like, well, I'll do it, but I'm going to eat ice cream. Well, I'm still putting half and half in my coffee. Well, I'm going to have rice. I don't know. Maybe you can have rice on Whole30. I don't even yeah. know. I was doing it and then I read all the rules. I'm like... Well, I'm not doing this. Like, that. what? Well, you were like, <laughs> so I
1: kind of already do, like, I just like, normal. Li- like, I I, like, the I, things that I won't do on this list, if I take them off, then basically I'm just doing yeah, what I already do. I like, like, sometimes
0: I eat olive oil, but, like, like sometimes... I eat che- like <laughs> uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Okay, I'll do it. And then I read the whole thirty, and I was like, oh no, I, sorry, I can't do that. But it's like it's like this inability to go back, like you were saying, like you would never no do I can't keto imagine. anymore. Like I would never do that stuff. I can't. I I
1: can't imagine that because I think also it was literally traumatizing to like be
0: no it's a trauma to have an eating disorder yeah and then you have to recover from it
1: and then and that's trauma and then you're like i never want to do that again like if you think of a really if there's another like really traumatic experience or even if it's not anything like Mm -hmm. some kind of something that was really uncomfortable why would you ever be like you know what Let's do it again. Right? Exactly.
0: Exactly. I think my fact that for a split second, I was like, all right, sure, I'll do that. I think that was like, I just forgot what that entails. And then I'm like, I'm a normal person. And then I looked at it and I'm like, oh, but I won't do that actually. But speaking of the trauma, I almost every client I've had has this experience where once they're far enough in recovery, they have a real desire to just tell you like the worst because everyone that I have ever met has had an eating disorder for a period of time when they're the only ones they know what they're doing. Cause you know, no one has called them out on it yet. Mm-hmm. No one has forced them into treatment yet. They haven't reached out and gotten treatment themselves. So there's a period of time um, where they're just totally in an eating disorder and it's their little secret. Like no one knows that it's necessary. Or they don't even out. know. Yes, that too. Totally. And then they, yes. And some people like I've had, you know, teens where that really only goes on for, a relatively short ish amount of time before someone pounces but then but i've had people where that's like actually been their truth for years and regardless of how long or short it was there becomes this time in recovery where people really want to tell you like how bad it was and i feel like that is because having an eating disorder is a trauma mm-hmm. and then they need to be they, they it comes a time when they want to tell their story Mm-hmm. Even not necessarily publicly, but like they want to tell their story. And that's, I think that's because it's a trauma.
1: Yeah. I mean, think about how many, there's so much. And and then, I mean, even for teenagers, like there's, it's different. I feel for, obviously it's different for teenagers and adults. And then the, because now we, with teenagers or, you know, in some cases now we have, trauma with our family Mm. trauma like we're fighting in the kitchen especially fbt like i i remember when i first heard of fbt this was like a couple years ago i was like oh yeah like that makes sense it's kind of like treatment at home Mm -hmm. i'm sorry for anyone who's listening to this that loves fbt i genuinely can't tell you one time i think it ever went well
0: they well i have nuanced that which is (laughs) i think we don't know because all the people that end up with us are the people that are like this is didn't work the horror that i went through that's true and then it didn't work so now i need to recover in a different way but there are there, there i think the younger be, the yeah. better yes yeah uh, there might be people for whom it works and then just life goes on and we just we don't know about those people. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't get those. <laughs> they don't, we don't uh, get them, yeah. Because here's the thing. I actually have had clients for whom they've had, the, what the research would deem them an FBT success. And what I mean by that is they have recovered. Um, as far as we can tell, behaviorally, cognitively, like psychologically, their, their family relationship is not like torn apart and terrible. And they've held this type of recovery for a couple of years Sometimes even more. And so it seems like, okay, well, FBT worked. And then I have a large, I have a lot of people in this boat where then they get to be young adult or they go to college and they relapse. Yes. That's what happened to me. Yeah. And well, like in the FBT research, no one is tracking like after what percentage of the people for whom it worked. Did it not stay working? Right.
1: Because, well, so I FBT myself (laughs) when I was in college because I was like, okay, I, I literally like... I need to go to college. I need to graduate college. That was a huge thing. So I just made myself food and ate it in like a meal plan and then come out of college. And I'm like, oh, it's all happening again. Yeah. And I think because I didn't have, like, it was- a reason? Yeah, I didn't have a reason. I didn't like do anything else besides eat. Mm -hmm. And like, I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like that's a whole, and especially, I know we've talked about this a bunch, but I think the ages of like, 18 to 20 something like mid 20s that's a really hard age because you're mm-hmm. not a kid but you are kind of because mm-hmm. like you live at home or you're in college and you want to get out of like you want to mm-hmm. do college so you're like okay whatever I'll just do what I have to do and I'm gonna get through college and then you're like oh well, I'm recovered because now I don't care what I eat but it's like so much deeper than that that it comes back up so it's like mm-hmm almost like a band-aid
0: yeah yeah I had that experience too where like I did well enough in order to have my first job and then I quit my first job and then I was like oh there's no point for doing well anymore
1: so i guess i just won't <laughs> no but that oh my god like, do you know how many times a day i hear that like well it's just not worth it like i just what's the point point? and
0: but it's like if that if the eating disorder is easier for you than the not eating disorder like that's a problem <laughs>
1: right yeah and that's it that's like we need to really work on things outside of this yes, and like life eating. and we, yeah and and this is just kind of a distraction of that but yeah i mean so many people say that they're like i don't i mean it or or i tried it for like Mm
0: -hmm. a month
1: and i hate it
0: (laughs) everyone says that
1: and i can't change my like i can't deal with my body and i get that like a hundred percent it's literally literally your worst nightmare happening when your body is changing changing and that is literally why you have well one of the reasons why you have continued to hurt yourself because you don't want that to happen so now it's happening and you're like Oh my God.
0: Getting better feels bad because there's no, I, I've never met anyone for whom at some point in the getting better process, there's like the triple lose of recovery. Like recovery doesn't feel good. No. You just feel badly about yourself, about just, it just doesn't feel good. The recovery behaviors do not feel good, but at the same time, sometimes eating disorder behaviors for some people have stopped feeling good either yes and then someone, there is a period of that yes. and then you're like what do I do now what? where Recovery do I go feels bad the eating disorder feels bad or and then sometimes there's like a third way that this all it sucks which is maybe someone has enough like intellectualized insight to know that they don't want to do the eating disorder anymore and they do want to recover but then they're like judging themselves that they don't want to recover They're judging themselves that this, they're not, they'll be like, I'm not trying hard enough or, um, yeah, I'm not trying hard enough. Or I, I guess I'm not motivated. So that's a problem. So it's like this, everything feels bad. Or it's not for me. Yeah. They judge their own, they judge their own process. The recovery feels bad and the eating disorder feels bad. And it's like, well, then what?
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's why it's so hard to get better because everybody inevitably gets into that, into that space because Mm -hmm. like again you are doing everything you just fought to not do mm-hmm. and now you're like there's also like identity crisis yeah and and not knowing anything about yourself besides that and being known for that even if it's good or like, like if it's positive s- or negative um all the secondary so it's just games. hard it's like it's it's like okay well this is too much. So I'm gonna go back to what I know. And I think that's why it's really hard to get over that like period of time. That that's the honestly, I think that's the hardest period of I time. I think that
0: is the hardest period of time. And usually for people with an eating disorder, the initial period feels good. So yes. now you're in this bad period of time and but you have previously experienced the learning of an eating disorder is it's possible for it to feel good it's pot so you just i'll just go back and keep trying that over and over again but either it has stopped feeling good or your biology is winning out and you just can't quite do the same behaviors that you used to do yes
1: and and also this is another thing that i realized with teenagers too um or or kids that get sick when they're younger Mm -hmm. that is like really hard because now you're comparing your 20 year old body weight to your 13 year old yeah and you don't understand like I it's like you do understand because I mean I think people with eating disorders are really smart they understand people grow (laughs) like you know that but you're like constantly trying to get back to where you were when you started Mm -hmm. and I know for me like like you said there is this like wow magical period of Mm -hmm. why didn't i always do this (laughs) like this isn't bad this isn't so bad i mean yeah there's some things that aren't great but it's making me feel how have i yeah it's making me feel better about myself like how have i not been doing this all along and so you keep that feeling and then you think that you can always get back to that feeling or back to that body back to that weight and it's like you're just fighting for something for the rest of your life that you can't get
0: yes it's um it's a little weird, but if you think of, um, an eating disorder as if people have a backpack on their back and there's all these different tools in it, they take the restriction shovel out and they're just like, like digging, digging, digging. They're going down the hole. And then at some point the hole feels bad. And so they're like, Oh, this feels bad. Okay. Let me take out a different tool. But the different tool is never like the normal eating (laughs) recovery tool. It's like the, okay, I'm gonna start eating more and then I'm gonna fast for a day because I got freaked out. And so then they'll start digging with like another eating disorder mm-hmm. tool and then they'll be like, ah, I ate, okay, I'm gonna take out the exercise tool and they'll start shoveling it. It's like, no, no, just get out of the hole. Stop using any yeah. tools that dig you farther. And like,
1: I mean, I think everybody also goes through the tool phase. Yes. Like, cause again, I don't think that it's, you're just, you just decide one day and you're like, woohoo, yeah. Right. Everything, like I just, I'm gonna with the pain like I think there is a lot of the tool stage but when people ask me how did you get out of that phase it's like I hated it Mm -hmm. (laughs) every single day was terrible I was crying I was on the floor like wanting to do this that or the other and I couldn't um or you know maybe sometimes like there were slips whatever but then I had to Mm -hmm. get back to being like okay no we're not doing that and for me and this is not speaking to everybody but personally I think that Period of time is like if you can power through it. Like I really had to really get myself together to power through it. For me, if if I really was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm really going to try, and I'm really going to be uncomfortable. Like that didn't last for years.
0: No, it 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 can last for years if people keep dabbling in it and then running back to the sort of then dabbling again. It's like no, if you don't run back to the sort in between as often as possible. Right, because be inevitably be so much shorter. something will,
1: yeah. And that's hard, because who wants to do that?
0: Everyone but- also says that body image recovery comes last, and I think that is maybe um, true for a lot of people, but I think that something that helped me tolerate that, the you know, the terrible, like, triple-lose section of recovery was, I, this wouldn't, I guess, be true if you were recovering when you were, I don't know, like, 11 years old or pre-puberty or something, but I did actually have like an aha moment for myself that I did stick with, which was, so was like 25 at the time. And I'm like, wait, I am a 25 year old woman that in my mind (laughs) now that seems very little, but in my mind that seems like you're old, like I'm old, like adult woman. Like I have an adult woman body and uh, it's a, an adult woman body is what I'm supposed to have. And I did make, even that doesn't necessarily make me like comfortable in it, but it did make the shift of realizing that's what's supposed to happen. I'm not Mm. supposed to be, um, 13. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: How old were you when you recovered? 25. I was 25 too. Yeah. And I think, isn't there like a study that says 25 is like the second
0: there's, um, I don't know what the study is, but some there, I mean, I definitely did not have spontaneous remission. Like I had, Uh, I worked at it and I had treatment for it. But there is in the literature out there this thing where it's like at 25 years old, sometimes there's spontaneous remission. Like people who have struggled even since they were 13 or something, they just... Just suddenly, recovery becomes easier. And I mean, I would say 25 was when I really started to make progress. And like the year of 26 was like, I really cemented the recovery kind of. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, like, recovery takes a long time, but once you get traction, it doesn't take that long. And I feel yeah. like that's when I got traction finally. You
1: have to get the traction. Yeah. And that's what's going to keep you going through. Um, but yeah, there is something about that. And so that's why when I work with teenagers, I'm like, don't do this until you're 25. Like they're so like, I want you to go to college. I want you to do these things. I mean, cause there are so many things that I didn't have. And so that's a whole nother thing mm-hmm. about, I think why I'm here and I act like I'm 22 because yeah. I didn't have those years. Like those mm-hmm. years were not, they, ex- yeah. they didn't exist. Yeah. And so then technically if you go from 17 to 25, like, you're really not 25 no, because right. your your whole life and your whole world has been revolving around this instead of like social and growing and learning things and being able to handle conflict yeah. and like, and so I'm always like, no, no, like, <laughs> like we gotta go. We gotta do this. I know. I, I don't know. want you to be that. And like, um but I know obviously that's not necessarily realistic. And there's also, again, like when you were talking about the body changes, I think that, is true about like, okay, I'm not supposed to look like this, but then this is where eating disorders are so complicated because you can have a population of people that are like, that's the last thing that I ever want in my entire life. Like, I don't want that ever. Right. And so it's like, that's why they're so unique. Yeah. And and that's why, we'll we'll leave on this note and then we'll come back. <laughs> I think that is why we need work in this field because there is no prescription of like, this works for you. That's going to work for you. This works for you. That's going to work for you. I, I, I have not yet seen one case where I have done the exact same thing and it's been what they needed. So true. It's so, so different. And that's why it's so hard. And as much as like, sometimes I say, "Oh, treatment, blah 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 blah." Like, I do think treatment is necessary at times, but it's like I'm not here to save. Like, I, maybe I can try. <laughs> I don't know how to fix <laughs> fix it, but it's that's also where you get into the like. This is the protocol, and the protocol might be amazing for Sally, but the protocol is really bad for Allison. Like,
0: right, right, yeah. I mean, there certainly are themes that pop up. that that frequently people experience in recovery, but you're so right that it is individual and yeah. And recovery looks different for everyone. And you can have two people who are both fully recovered and they have slightly different behaviors,
1: or just different lifestyles. Yes,
0: different lifestyles. That's a good way to put it. Yeah.
1: So that's the other thing. Okay, I keep
0: going like this is going to be the last thing. <laughs>
1: this is going to be the last thing. That's another thing I want to talk about, especially because of the listeners being younger, is recovery online and what that looks Ooh, like. Yeah. Recovery online. I think there are some great, great, great things about it, and some amazing, some am- amazing people out there that are doing amazing things. But there's also this like toxic positivity of like
0: and perfectionism
1: yeah perfectionism of like oh well you're upset about your like whatever you're upset about this part of your body well I'm not
0: yeah (laughs) it's like we go back to where we started with the salad uh, yeah exactly we go back to the (laughs) fact that at the end of the day no one can know your truth except for you like, no one can know your intention behind a certain choice or a certain behavior or your mindset. And especially in early recovery, you do have to a little bit sometimes not trust yourself and trust trusted others instead. Mm-hmm. But eventually you get to trust yourself. And, like, it's hard to weed that out when there's these kind of, like, Instagram famous people online saying exactly what it has to mm-hmm. what it has to be.
1: Yeah, so in a way it's really helpful, but in another way it's, like, well, what am I doing wrong? Because I don't feel that way, right? Exactly. I don't, whatever. So that we're just gonna wrap it right there. We kind of went all over, but we we came back. Yes, we, were we like, came back. We came back to the <laughs> to the theme, which is eating disorders. I think so many things are all tied together. Yes. When we uh, continue this next week, we will dive a little bit more into that because I do the toxic positivity and also um, the like uniqueness or like unique need for different people is really important. And I can't tell you the answer of like, how do we do that? But we can try to figure it out. Sounds great. <laughs> Not your regular coach